us to pray. Jesus, just the mention of your name. The flowers grow and the desert blooms again. Like fire in winter's cold, like pure precious gold. Jesus, just the mention of your name. Father, we lift up the banner of the name of Jesus tonight. We lift up the banner of the love of Jesus tonight. We lift up the banner of the spirit of Jesus tonight. Father, we have come as your people. The Lord, not to be informed, but to be transformed. Father, this evening we ask that by your spirit and through the ministry of your word, each of us will be transformed. That the dead life will become a living sacrifice in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I hope I'm clear and heard at the back. Okay. Praise the Lord. You know, when great men of God speak before you, you have to ask for a double anointing to be able to carry the congregation around. Great men like Pastor Sabi, great men like Brother Stanley, they have spoken before now. Therefore, when men like us speak, bear with us that the Spirit of God is going to do His work. The theme for this 30th anniversary is taken from Matthew chapter 16 in verse 18. And we've been asked to speak on the Church of Christ today challenges and exploits. The first thing we need to get clear is that Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says that Christ will build his church and the gates of hell shall not do what? Shall not prevail against it. That statement was made by Jesus as a result of a revelation that came by the mouth of Peter. But that particular statement in itself challenges the church, especially the church of today. It says, upon this truth that Jesus is the Messiah, Christ will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which means the church is going to suffer attack from the gate of hell. But Jesus Christ said, he said, but the gates of hell will not do what? Will not prevail against the church. Why? Because the church is built on Christ, the foundation. Paul the Apostle said, for there is no other foundation that anyone will lay other than the one that has been laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I know our brother, Brother Stanley has spoken to us from Revelation chapter 2. Tonight, by the mercies of God, we'll be looking at the church of Jesus Christ today. 
challenges and exploits from Revelations chapter 3. When you look at Revelations chapter 3, the introduction from there, especially in verse 1, is very, very instructive. And let me read it to us so that we can hear. It says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and are dead. So if you want to give this word of the Lord this tonight a topic, call it dead life. What did I say? What did I say? Dead life. Jesus said, you have a name that you live, but you are what? Dead. That was to the church in Sardis. However, Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as what? As a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto who? Unto the Lord. Which is what? Your reasonable service. The Spirit of God wants us to be living sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is a dead body, isn't it? Hello? When our neighbors want to do their festival, what do they do? They kill things, isn't it? Huh? They kill rams, don't they? Church? Are we living sacrifice or dead sacrifice? Please talk to me. Living sacrifice. The Spirit of God says he wants us to be living even though when we are dead to this world. But here Jesus, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, tells the church in Sardis, you are living. But the truth of the matter is what? You are dead. May that not be the testimony for you and I in the name of Jesus Christ. I said may that not be our testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. When you look at that Revelation chapter 3, when you read the verses 1 to 22, Jesus, through John the Apostle, was addressing three churches there. The first church is the one we read about in verse 1. The church in Sardis that was asleep. They have a reputation on the signboard to their church. They have apostolic church. But inside of them, it was an apathetic church. Did you hear what I said? The signboard they have for people to see is what? Apostolic church. But their hearts that only God sees is what is apathetic church. And that is the challenge of the church today. The church today pretends to be living, but it is dead. You say, what do you mean? How can the church pretend to be living, 
and yet it is dead. There is gymnastics. But there's no dunamis. Did you hear what I said? There is what? Gymnastics. Demonstration that there is something, but there is no power. That's a church that says it's living, but of the truth is what? Is dead. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 to 13, Jesus addressed another church, the church in Philadelphia. And he said, this church, let's, let's, let's see how Jesus described the church in Philadelphia. Let's go, turn, turn our Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Let me read verse 7 to you. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, be sincere he that is holy, he that is true, he that had the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Verse 8, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Why? Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will do what? Will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon thee all the world to try them that dwell upon. Jesus says, this church, Philadelphia, has done what? Has kept the patience of who? Hello? Has kept my patience. You know, there's a difference between keeping the patience of God and keeping the patience of men. Hello? You don't understand? He said, for you have kept my what? My patience. And to the church in Laodicea, hear what the, Jesus Christ said. The three churches he was addressing there. Look at what he said. And unto the angel, verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans, write these things, see the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will do what? I will spoon thee out of what? Out of my mouth. Here, Jesus is talking about the church in Laodicea as one that is what? That is lukewarm. The challenge of the church today can be looked at from the things that Jesus has spoken concerning these churches, especially the church in Laodicea, as well as the church in Sardis. The truth of the matter is this. Jesus Christ said, you pretend to be alive, but you are dead. 
And the question is this. The Bible is very clear on what deadness is. Some of you might say, oh, how can you say somebody is in church and is dead? But as we look at the scriptures tonight, you will see how God, Jehovah, the maker of heaven and earth, sees deadness. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the Holy Spirit says there that a man can be dead in sin. There is deadness in sin. Somebody says, hey, wait a minute. You said the church of Jesus Christ, people can be in there and be dead in sin. Oh, yes, brother. Oh, yes, sister. Oh, yes, man of God. What do you mean? Jesus Christ said, these guys are dead in sin. What is sin? What is sin? Sin is everything that a man does without faith in God. You know, I can be preaching and be sinning. You know that? Hello? A man can be preaching and he will be sinning. Why? Because he's preaching without faith in God. You say, how can that be? Paul the apostle said, we wanted to come to you, our brethren. He said, but the spirit of God forbade us. Did you read that in your Bible? Hello? He said, but the Spirit of God did what? Forbade us. If Paul had gone to where he had his mind to go to, and the Spirit of God forbade him, if he had gone, he would have gone there to preach, but he would have been sinning. Do you hear what I said? He would have been what? He would have been sinning. Why? Because the Spirit of God didn't want him to go to where he intended to go. What he wanted to go and do, was good, but the Spirit of God said it is not required for that place. There's another place for which it is required. It's required in Macedonia. The Bible said, shortly after that, he had a vision, and a man beckoned to him, said, come over to where? Macedonia. And do what? And there Paul Listen to me. If Paul didn't go to Macedonia, the jailer would not have been saved. And if the jailer, a big man in that city, if he was not saved, that city would have found it difficult to be saved. But Paul could have been going around as a great man of God, isn't he? Living, but yet he was what? He would have been dead. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. I say, may the Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. You know that men are dead in pleasures. Hello? Men are what? Men are what? They are dead. Where? In pleasures. We say, how do I know that? Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. Men are dead in pleasures. How are they dead in pleasures? First Timothy chapter 5. Let's read it. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 6. It says that these people... They are what? They are dead in pleasures. And say, so how can a man be in church and be dead in pleasures? Let's, talk, let's look at it. How Paul the Apostles puts it. First Timothy chapter 5, reading in verse 6. 
But she that does this work, that liveth in pleasure, is what? Is dead. Why she liveth? How can a man live in pleasure? How? How is it possible for a man to live in pleasure? And the Bible says, he that liveth in pleasure is dead. Why is he what? Alive. The same Paul the apostle said, he said, in the latter days, men will be what? Lovers of who? Of themselves. I come from Nigeria. And I know many of our brethren here also come from Nigeria, many come from India, Asian countries. Listen to me. If you had a dream, and God says, go to Canada, what will happen? Hello, talk to me. What will happen? Everybody will like it, isn't it? Huh? I have nothing against our brethren who are in Canada. But if you had a dream, and say, go to Afghanistan, Hardly will you find anybody come to give us testimony. Hello? That praise the Lord. As I was waiting upon the Lord, God took me in a trance. And he says, go to Afghanistan. There's work for you to do there. Listen to me. Men love to go to Europe. Men love to go to North America. I have nothing against anybody going to Europe or North America. It's not purely wrong to go to North America or go to Europe, but it's purely right to go by the leading of the Lord. When a man does not go anywhere by the leading of the Lord, that man is in pleasure and is dead. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. I say may the Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know that men are dead in legalism? In the church. They talk about the law. There's nothing wrong about the law. The law is good. But when you make the law to become a burden unto the people, that's legalism. And Paul the Apostle says in Romans chapter 7, let's look at it. Romans chapter 7, reading in verse 6. Romans chapter 7, reading in verse 6. What did he say? For when? Are we there? For when we when, for when we're in the... But now, we are delivered from where? From the law. That being there, when we were held, that we should serve in where? In newness of spirit and not in the oldness of what? Of the letter. Those who live by the oldness of the letter of the world and not the spirit of the, of the world, they are what? They are dead in legalism. They are dead what? In legalism. They are dead in legalism. Do you know that there are people who are dead in worship? Hello? The psalmist said, he said, the dead, they don't do what? They don't praise God. 
The dead, they don't know what? They don't praise God. So anyone who is in church who doesn't know how to praise God is what? He's dead. Is what? He's dead. He's dead. Completely, totally dead. Why? Because it's only the dead that can praise God. Hello? If you put the dead body here now, will you be able to praise God? So anybody who is not able to praise God is like that dead corpse. And there are many dead corpses in church. Some are even bigger than God, you know. When the choir leader says, praise God, mm, they can't even open their mouth. But some of them speak in tongues, you know. But the question is, which tongues are they speaking? May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. I say, may the Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, many are dead in action. James chapter 2 says, look, he said, if your brother who's sitting next to you, who has a need, comes to you and says, oh, brother, let's pray for you. Go in peace. <laughs> James the apostle said, he said, faith without works is what? It's dead. Is what? It's dead. It's dead. It is this dead life that makes people not to be watchful. Do you hear what I said? Can a dead body be watchful? Hello? Let some let the brother pretend now to be dead here. Will he be will he will you know what we are we are doing here? No. But Jesus Christ said. Watch and pray. Is that not what Jesus Christ said? And even in Revelation chapter 3 that we're looking at tonight, the Spirit of God said, be watchful. Is that not so? But the question is, what does it mean to be watchful? Does it mean to be gazing around? No. Habakkuk, the prophet, of Old Testament prophet said, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I will stand upon my watch and I will look to see what he will say unto me. Is that not a contradiction? Do you look to hear or do you look to see? Hello? Speak to me. Huh? No, but Habakkuk says, I look to hear. You don't believe me? Somebody put it on the, on the board for us. Says, no, go to Abaku chapter 2 for me, please. Abaku chapter 2. Abaku is in the Old Testament. <laughs> I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and we watch to see what he will say what unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. What to see, not what he will show me. 
but watch to see what he will say unto me. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So anybody who is waiting for God to see what God will show him is dead. And there are many people in church who wants to see signs. Hello, there's nothing wrong in seeing signs. But it's better to hear God. Do you hear what I said? It's better to do what? To hear God. For God himself, by his spirit, said, faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So what does it mean to watch? What it means to watch is to be conscious of one's environment and what God is saying concerning that environment and what God will require me to do concerning the environment and how I will carry on to carry out the prescription of God. That's what Habakkuk chapter, one, chapter 2 verse 1 says, what he means. And in the church, in Sardis, Jesus Christ said that these ones, they are not watchful. And because they are not watchful, they are not able to strengthen those things that are weak. You didn't read that, did you? In Revelation chapter 3. When people are not watching, what happens? Brethren will be dying beside them, and they will not know. Their neighbors will be dying beside them, and they will not know. Do you know one of the challenges of the modern day church is that there's a lot of prayer, in quote. What do I mean by prayer in quote? Prayer that is a monologue to God. But through people who pray, they pray watching. Because God will speak to them concerning the situation that is around them. Concerning the situation that is afar off. And God will commission them to do something. He said, I will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what? I shall answer when I am reproved. Reproved there doesn't mean God castigating you. But reproved there means God showing you what you need to do. And today in church, modern day church, people are not watching. What was the problem of James, Peter, and John? At the, at the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus said, tell them to do? He said, watch and do what? And pray, lest you come into what? But when he came, what did he find them? They were sleeping. They were dead people. And he came three times. And when he saw them the third time, what did he say? He said, you can sleep one. May Jesus never tell you to sleep on in the name of Jesus. May Jesus never tell bread of life to sleep on in the name of Jesus Christ. Look 
Jesus said something about watching. In Mark chapter 13, let's look at it quickly. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, see what Jesus Christ said about, about watching. You know, he was talking to the, to the, to the disciples at that time. Well, let's look at it, 13, 13, 33 to 37. Mark chapter 13, let's look at that. Take ye, eat, watch and do what? Watch and what? For ye know not when the time is. Continue, brother. For the Son of Man is as a taking a far journey. Who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to do what? To watch. Has Jesus Christ giving you and I work to do? Hello? Eh? Say, watch ye therefore, for ye did not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. Continue. Let's come in suddenly. He find you what? What was the church in Sardis doing? Sleeping. Continue. And what I say unto you, I say what? I say unto who? All. Watch. So let nobody say, oh, that was for Peter, James, and John, and Bartholomew. He said it's for who? It's for everyone. Anyone who will not be watching is dead life. Did you hear what I said? It's what? It's dead life. Completely dead life. And when you look at that Revelation chapter 3, God said there, Jesus said there, he said, your works are not perfect with me. Is that not what he said? When you read it in the New Living Translation, look at the way the New Living Translation says, says, I find that your actions do not make the requirements of my God. Your what? Your actions do not what? Do not meet what? The requirements of who? Of my God. Anybody who's not watching, Anybody who doesn't want God to speak to him or her concerning his or her environment and what he or she needs to do, his actions, our actions, that congregation action does not meet what? The requirements of God. May Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's jump the church in Philadelphia. Let's go to the church in Laodicea. Jesus Christ said, hey guys, you are not cold, you are not hot. You are what? You are lukewarm. You know, we, we, we all live here in the Middle East, isn't it? Or if we live here, for those of us who have gone away, you know that both cold water and hot water are of value, yes or no? Huh? But lukewarm water, Jesus says, is of no value. And the question is, how can a man or a church be lukewarm? 
how can a church, a congregation, an individual within the congregation be lukewarm? Not hot, cold. Let me tell you one thing. Lukewarm congregation or lukewarm people in church, they'll be loyal to their denomination, but they have no value to the kingdom of God. Did you hear what I said? They are what? They are loyal to what? To their denomination. But they have no value to what? To the kingdom of God. Say, what do you mean? Brasari was talking to us yesterday. He was talking about reward for those who help the persecutor. Is that not so? Is that not what he said yesterday? Huh? Anyone who is not helping the persecuted is lukewarm. Do you hear what I said? Is what? Is lukewarm. Why? Because that person is of no value to the kingdom of God. When I look at scripture, scripture says that a man should go and preach the gospel. Is that not so? Huh? And it says a man should grow. Is that not so? Say, pray the Lord of harvest to do what? To send laborers. Where? Into his harvest. And he also says, give. Is that not so? So, in the calling of every Christian, there are three G's. The G of go, the G of groan, and the G of give. Anyone who is not doing the three G's is what? It's not useful to the kingdom. Listen to me. Every one of us must be involved in missions. In going, in groaning, and in giving. And if you see people who say, oh, I can't go, they live in pleasure. They are dead. Oh, let's pray for blessing youth mission group in India. Is it every time we have to pray for these people? That guy is dead. Oh, let's raise money to give to blessing youth mission. Let's raise money to help our brother, Peter Lewis, who left all his work and is working among the native people. He said, must we give him money every time? That man who said that, that woman said that, is what? He's dead. He's dead in pleasure. How do you know, pastor? Oh, he has considered that two years that he will give, that he can use it to eat samosa. And Paul the Apostle said, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 6, he says, she that liveth in pleasure is dead. Why? She liveth. May we not be dead in the name of Jesus Christ. May we not be dead in the name of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen to me. Look one few people. They have no refire. No, no refire. Why? Because 
Whatever they do is just filled with religion. Vain religion. Vain religion. No fresh fire. No fresh zeal for God. It's just about them. You know, there are people, if you, if you, if you put a tape recorder of the monologue they ever sent to God, hmm? you know, tape recorder, if you put it, if you secretly put a tape recorder in their house and you, you hear the kind of things they talk to God about, it's me, my wife, my son, my work. Oh, that's all. It's all me, 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 me. And I ask people, God is not the servant of anybody. Have you ever heard that before? God is nobody's houseboy. People who talk to God as if God is their houseboy, they are dead people. Say, what do I mean by that? Listen to me. God doesn't work for anybody. Do you hear that? I'll spoil your theology. God does not do what? God does not work for anybody. God works for himself. But if you look at many who are in church today, they want God to work for them. As if God is their houseboy. And that's why all they talk to God about is themselves. The difference between Anna and the other women that came to Shiloh, whose name the Bible never mentioned, is because Anna said, look, God, I know you have a problem. And your problem is bigger than my problem. But if you solve my problem, your problem is solved. Now somebody say, where did this pastor hear this, read this in the Bible? You know what, you know what Anna told God? He said, if you only give me a son, Huh? He said, I will give him back to you. Did you read that in your Bible? You know what Anna was saying? Anna surveyed the environment, like Abacook said. And he found out that in that environment, you have the Ophinis and Phineases of this world who are priests after their own stomach. And he knew that God needed one day, according to what he told Abraham, that there would be a king in Israel. And he surveyed the environment, and he found out that, ah, God cannot bring a king in the midst of this crazy Ophinis and Phineasis. So God has a problem. So God, let's solve your problem by giving me a son. And Eli, the blind high priest, didn't know that a woman was standing upon her watch to watch, to hear what God is saying concerning Israel. You know what? He said the woman was drunk. The woman said, uh-uh, Oga, big man, high priest. I am not drunk. I am being what? I'm watching and praying. And God is speaking something to me. Instantly, God made the blind Eli. 
said, go where my daughter. May the Lord do what? Grant you what? Your request. Her request was not for his son. Her request was for God to get a prophet. That was why God answered her. Everybody who asks something for himself, God will never answer you. Because that's the problem, that's the challenge of the church today. The church is being taught human philosophy. The psalmist said, said, delight yourself, therefore, in the Lord thy God. Is that not so? And he will grant what? Do you know that many people, people don't start from the beginning? Say, God will grant the desires of my heart. I don't want God to grant the desires of my heart. Why? Because God himself said, the heart of man is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? If God grants the desires of my heart, the desire that he didn't lay in there, I'm a disaster going to happen. And the challenge of the church today is that the church is focusing on God granting the desires of their heart, not they delighting in the Lord their God. The truth of the matter is, if we are not lukewarm as a congregation, if we are not lukewarm as individuals, we will be on fire for God. There's nowhere he will want us to go that we will not go. The test of lukewarmness is to ask myself, if God says, pack your load now and go to Syria, Will I call Pastor Sabi and Pastor Abraham and say, Pastor Sabi, Pastor Abraham, come and pray with me. It looks as if Satan is trying to do me. If God says, pack your load and go to Syria, and you have to be asking people, am I hearing well? You're a lukewarm fellow. Listen to me. A man was on fire for God. His name is Brother Isaiah. God was not even talking to him. But he looked at his environment. And he watched to hear what God would say. God was discussing in heaven. Hello? God was where? God was discussing in heaven. He said, who shall we send? And who will go for us? A man on heart had the discussion in heaven. And he said, here I am. Send me. He didn't even know where God is even sending him. That's the man who is on fire. God was just, God was just chatting in heaven. Whom shall we send? And who will go for us? A man had on earth. And he answered God back. He said, where? 
Here I am. Do what? Send me. Whether it is Syria or ISIS or Afghanistan, here am I. Send me. If I cannot say here am I, send me. I am a Lupin fellow. Hey, listen to me, brethren. Men and women, congregation that carry the fire of God, they carry the supernatural. They stop at nothing, and nothing stops them. Did you hear what I said? They stop at nothing, and nothing stops them. So, what do you mean? Pharaoh wanted to stop Moses. The pleasures of the house of Pharaoh wanted to stop Moses. But Moses said, hey, sorry about it, about it, king. I can't be stopped by you or your palace. When you read Genesis, Genesis said, <laughs> Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. You would think he was running away for his life. Mm-mm. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, he said, Moses saw him who was what? Who was invincible. Hello? He said, Moses saw who? God. Who was what? Who was invincible. And he decided to do what? To leave the pleasures of the palace, but to be identified with who? With the persecuted. You see what brought Stanley was telling us yesterday, if it is you and I, we will see the house of Pharaoh as where? As the blessing of God. Hello, talk to me. Am I lying? He said, oh, Pastor Abraham, God bless you. You know, it's a new one now, the new dawn, Sultan Kaboos. See, I should now be a part and pastor of his household. Then Pastor Abraham said, okay, thank you, Boleke. So what's God asking you to go and do in the house of Sultan Kabos? I always ask people, you say, oh, oh, pray for us that we get promotion. I say, fine, I will pray for you that you get promotion when you tell me what God has told you you will do with that promotion. Because you know what? God will not put a spear in the hand of pigs. Materialism is another challenge of modern day church. In fact, I hear people say, look, if you quarrel with my theology, you can't quarrel with the fact that I'm blessed of the Lord. But Jesus Christ told the church in Laodicea, he said, you think you are rich. You think you have need of nothing. He said, but you are what? You're poor. Wretched. And naked. Today, in today's church, gain is equated to godliness. 
That's the challenge in the church today. They equate what? Gain for godliness. But Paul the Apostle, by the Spirit of God, talking to his son, Timothy, he said those who think gain is godliness, he said depart from them. He said what? Depart from who? From them. But he said godliness is what? Talk to me. Godliness is what? Is great gain. Oh, say, oh, is this brother against being rich or no? I'm not against anybody being rich. I'm one of the richest men on us. I, I did like a lot of quite deep. I mean, say, what do you mean? I said, well, I don't want to be immodest. I will have said I'm the most prosperous man on the face of the earth. Well, they say, oh, no, that's being arrogant. Okay, I don't want to be arrogant. I want to be humble. I'm one of the most prosperous men on earth. Why? What is prosperity? Prosperity is having enough of God's consignment to carry out his assignment. If you don't have an assignment from God and you have consignment, you are a poor man. You are what? You are a poor man. You are a poor woman. And that was what got into the head of the church in Laodicea. They thought they were rich. But God said, you are not rich. You are poor. You are wretched. You are naked. Every man Every woman, every congregation that has no assignment from God is poor, is wretched, is naked. I tell people, material prosper any any Christian who pursues material prosperity is a bad specimen of a Christian. You didn't hear what I said. I said, those who pursue material prosperity, they are what? They are a bad specimen of Christianity. Why? Jesus Christ said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And does what? And Lucy says, oh, yeah, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm born again. You thank God for your being born again. You have a BA. Thank God for you. But do you have an MSc? You know what MSc is? Master of our situation and circumstances. We thank God for you. Do you have a PhD? Pulling down the host of demons. Listen to me. One man had a lot of things in the Bible. We call him the foolish rich man. Is that not so? Huh? Is that not what we call him? Huh? He said, I have my bank. These are made by myself. My soul, do what? Eat and marry. And the Bible said, God spoke to him. God said, you foolish man. Today, what will happen? 
When a man is not rich towards God, he's a poor man. And there are many in church today who are not rich towards God. They have the physical goods of this life. But before God, they are nothing. How many people here to answer God? If God says, pack up what you are doing, sell your houses, sell everything that you have, come follow me. And they will not grumble. The young rich ruler, he came to Jesus. He said, what will I do? To do what? To inherit the kingdom of God. Is that not so? Jesus Christ said, what does the law say? Oh, he said, don't worry about that. I've kept the law all my life. Did Jesus disagree with him? Huh? No, Jesus didn't disagree with him. But Jesus Christ said, okay, go sell all that you have. Come and follow me. What did the Bible say? The Bible said the man went away. Sorrowful. Because he was a wretched man. Wretched men, when Jesus called them to follow him, he always go back sorrowful. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Another challenge of the church today is carnality. Both physical and spiritual blindness. Jesus told the church in Laodicea, say you are blind. You are what? You are naked. I was somewhere a couple of years ago and we were were preaching on regeneration. And I'm off the cuff. I just made a statement. I said, those who say, I cannot do business with Christians. I prefer to do business with unbelievers than do business with Christians. I said, they are unregenerated. Half of that congregation went up in arms against me. Because many of them were businessmen. What do you mean? When it was question time, every other thing that I said, they didn't remember. The only one they remembered is the one I said that those who say they prefer to do business with unbelievers than with believers are only generated. That was the only thing, and I was happy. That was the only thing they, they remembered. Question here, question there. And I said, okay, wait a minute. How many of us believe in God here? And everybody raised up their hands. I said, okay. So the word of God is the final authority on anything. Or they say, yes, that's okay. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's begin to read. No, I'm not saying no more. I said, the Bible says, what has light got to do with darkness? What has Belia got to do 
with the temple of God. He said, those who are friends to the world, they are what? They are enemies to God. I said, so if one God says he hates, you say you like, are you regenerated? Oh, they say, you don't understand what you're saying. I said, what do you mean, brethren? I know your problem. Your problem is, you're not like Abakuku. I said, look, I'm your pastor. If business deals connect you and I, ask God about that environment, the environment of me and you becoming business partners, and hear what God will say to you, and how you respond to him. If on the face value that because I'm your pastor, you join business with me, when God doesn't want you to join business with me, you're going to get wounded. And it's not because I'm a fraudulent man, it's because you're not hearing God. I said, so therefore, the problem might not even be with the brother or the sister who came to do business with you. The problem may be you, or the problem may be both of you. A friend of mine, his name is Alex. Two other brethren, one called Timothy, one called John, came with a business proposal to him. He's a multi-multi-millionaire. And said, oh, brother, lend us money. We have this business to run in Abuja, the capital of Nigeria. That was when Abuja was booming. I'm talking about over 20, 25 years ago. And brother said, can you give me to tomorrow to think about it and to pray about it? Just as he sold the two brethren to their cars, God said, don't touch that business. So he didn't need to go think or pray. God told him, don't touch that business. The following day, the brethren came. Oh, he said, brother, God bless you. I can't tell a lie. I have money, but I can't touch that business. Oh, they say, okay, if you can't lend us the money, uh, you can be partner with us. I said, no, sir. No, brethren. If God will forbid me to give you money, that same God forbids me to be part of the business. Oh, we'll give all the papers to you. We'll change the ownership of the company. We'll make you the chairman. He said, no, sir. They left him. Because they knew he's my friend. They came to my house. He said, you see, we often told you that brethren don't have brethren. See, Alex... He's a multimillionaire. He's your friend. We went to him. The money we're asking for is something he can give without blinking an eye. And he's telling us God will not permit him another. I said, okay. Don't worry. He says he's not far from my house. I drove down. And I remember Alex said, he told me this story. I told you now. I said, oh, my brother, stick to what God wants you to do. About eight years after, shortly before I came yeah, shortly before I came to Oman in 1995. One of the brethren almost had a stroke. Why? Because when they couldn't muster money, he put down his house 
to raise money for that business. When I came back to Nigeria from Oman in 1999, I saw him. He had become very lean. The man used to be farther than I. I become what? Very lean. And I said, Brother Timothy, what's happening? He said, you know, that business we did in 1989, that Brother Alex did not put his money. We have not got him paid. And eventually, two of my houses had to be taken over by the bank. I'm living from hand to mouth. Why? Because they will not listen to who? To what God is saying. It's not every business that a businessman must get involved in. But the church today, in the bit of encouraging brethren to go into business, they are not encouraging brethren to hear God. The challenge of the church today is that nobody is listening to God anymore. I don't know where you and I find ourselves tonight. We've looked at the dead life from lack of watching to lukewarmness to materialism and to not watching. But the good news is Jesus Christ said Those that hear my words and take the word to heart, he said they will be like who? They will be like a man who plants his house. Where? Upon the rock. He didn't say if the wind will come. He said when the wind comes, it will do what? It will stand. As we prepare our hearts for tomorrow, to see the exploits of the church. Let's rise on our feet. Let's begin to ask God. Lord, if mine is deadness in pleasure, if mine is deadness in legalism, if mine is deadness in action, if mine is lack of watching, if mine is lukewarmness, tonight, purge me. Father, I come before you tonight. Purge me. Purge me. Purge me. That I will live here, parts of lukewarmness. That I will live here, part of deadness to sin, deadness to pleasure, deadness to action, deadness in worship, parts of materialism. Let's talk to God. Let's talk to God tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, we thank you for tonight. We ask, Lord, that individually and collectively as your people, 
you purge us of every dead life. And you cause us to become living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. Help us, Lord, to side with the persecuted. Help us, Lord, to side with your kingdom. Help us, O Lord. Like Isaiah, we'll be able to say, here am I, send me. Thank you, O Lord God in heaven. To you alone be glory and honor. In Jesus' precious and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's thank God for this team. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your presence. Thank you for speaking to each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you for your servant. Lord, continue to bless each and every one of us as we are going to leave to our respective home. Take us safely until we come tomorrow. By this time here, let your presence and your peace prevail in us. Continue to help us watch and pray. As the scripture says, the Lord give us the attentive here to hear, watch, and hear your word and obey your word. Lord, we are not only the hearers of your word, let us be a doers of your word. Thank you for accepting our prayers. In Jesus' most exalted name, we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. We'll share the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. May the presence of God be with you. Go in peace.